The views and opinions expressed by the guests of the Diplosport podcast do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of any agency of the United States government or any organization, public or private. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the latest installment of the Diplosport podcast. Today's episode is a real treat because I got to speak with one of my longtime friends, actually a guy I went to high school with named Tom Beer. Tom's now a reporter for Basketball Insiders, and he gets to cover his dream beat, the New York Knicks of the National Basketball Association. Earlier this year, I talked to Tom because of a wonderful piece that he wrote during the 2015-16 season covering the rise of Kristaps Porzingis, who's a Latvian basketball player that has taken the U.S. by storm. He's taken New York by storm, and he's also taken his home country of Latvia by storm. Tom wrote about some of the fans who stay up all night long watching the Knicks just because they have Porzingis fever and they happen to live halfway around the world. They're able to take a lot of national pride in this local hero, and I thought the piece really went hand-in-hand with what we're trying to accomplish with the podcast, kind of showing how sports flatten borders, they promote understanding, and they bring people together. Before we begin, I do want to take this time to mention three friends of the podcast, and I should mention here that the Diplosport podcast is not compensated for any endorsements. Uh, These are just things that I think are interesting or cool, and which is all the more reason to check them out. First, uh, Jason Bryant and the team over at Matt Talk Online are tremendous friends of the program. And for those of you who enjoyed our Gregor Gillespie podcast series last week and like in-depth wrestling coverage, I can't speak more highly of the Short Time Wrestling podcast in particular. You can check them out at Matt Talk Online and Jason's at at Jason and Bryant on Twitter, at Jason M, like Mike Bryant on Twitter. Second, our friends at Mr. Tallboy, the makers of fine quality t-shirts. Right now, they're running this ridiculous Long Island Commuter series, which I really recommend that you check out. And there's really no explanation for what these shirts mean to those of us who were born and bred on the island and rode the majestic railroad of the same name. And when I first saw these shirts, I took like half a second for me to buy one. I actually tried to buy the Long Beach one, but they were sold out. So get on there as quick as you can. I had to settle for the Babylon line. You can... Check them out at MrTallBoy.com, and Mr. Tallboy is all spelled out. Finally, MilsoBox.com is a monthly subscription gift box that is specifically designed for military significant others. MilSO, MilSO. Most months, it's a customized, uh, each of the branches, Army, Air Force, Marine Corps, and Navy, and it's free shipping to all around the world, whether it's DPO, FPO, APO, and if you have somebody that you love in the military, I don't have to tell you what any of those mean. The website is milsobox, M-I-L-S-O-B-O-X, dot cratejoy.com, and if you're into unboxing, if that's your thing, you can go check out at Julie Jigsaw on YouTube to see what the boxes actually look like. I'll put links to all these things in the show notes, uh, plus the Porzingis piece. I'll put the link for that in there, too. Now, let's turn things over to me and my buddy, Tom Beer. So, we are in the man cave in Belrose, uh, on the Nassau side of the border. Okay. <laughs> Nassau County, born and bred Long Island. And that other voice you hear is... One of my oldest friends is Tommy Beer, my fellow Chaminade classmate, uh, and now uh, the senior basketball analyst at Basketball Insiders. He, he's living the dream as a basketball journalist. And how, how long have you? How long have you been writing? 
Sure. So uh, my path to uh, covering covering the NBA is a was a circuitous one. Um, I went to school up at Holy Cross. Um, got the it. Crusaders. Go Crusaders. Patriot League. You, represent. You, you played ball. <laughs> I played JV. I played JV. Um, and uh, actually, we played against a few um, uh, up in New England is the kind of the, the uh, prep school capital sure. of the world, you know. So guys that can't get their grades quite right will go to prep school for a year or two. Yeah. Um, and one of the and one of the teams they schedule um, in their season is JV Holy Cross Hoops team. Who's the best guy you ever played against? Karan Butler. Okay, okay. Karan Butler. Um, and there was a couple of the Jerome Weasel went to UCLA, and um, there was a couple of the guys that um, um, you know, made it the NBA. But Butler was the and um, even playing against him, you knew like obviously this guy was was a different caliber. Um, but did you, um, you lock him down though? Yeah, exactly. I dunked on him. Um, uh, but, um, uh, yeah, so anyway, so I was, um, you know, was a, uh, uh, econ grad, um, went to work for a, a mutual fund company in Boston after I graduated from school for a couple of years, um, realized that wasn't for me. Um, had, had, you know, a lot of fun in Boston, but realized it was time to probably move home, went back home. And, and during that time, obviously I'd been a whole, a, a, an immense sports fan my whole life. Always, always, always from the, from the time I was a kid. Um, I remember your childhood bedroom was just wallpaper with sports illustrated covers and the dunk with <laughs> Starks on. Oh, <laughs> I, I could see it. I could see it. It's still, it's still hanging up. There's one of the few things that I've brought every place I've ever lived. I've had that dunk poster. Um, hanging on my wall as I do in, in, in here. Um, and um, so, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a, uh, you know, I never seriously considered, um, you know, uh, you know, working for an NBA, you know, being involved in the NBA or sports in any way, shape or form, to be honest, kind of a, a dream or, or a diversion. Um, but uh, as I, um, you know, a few years after graduating from school, um, you know, reading more and more, um, I, you know, I'd always would have conversations with my friends over email, voice my opinion about who the Knicks should draft, what they should do with their salary cap space, yada, 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 about, you know, a bunch of different sports. But at this point in my life, basketball is definitely a number one. Um, and um, one of the sites I read at that time most frequently was hoopsworld.com. And um, I'm, I'm reading one day and they had a kind of a help wanted, basically, uh, you know, a help wanted ad posted on their on their uh, homepage. I emailed the, the editor, a uh, gentleman, Steve Kyle, who lives down in Florida, still runs, the, which has now become Basketball Insiders today. Um, and um, we kind of had a conversation about, you know, what it would take and what I was interested in. Sent him a few writing samples and he said, OK, um, you know, let's, uh, you know, get, get your feet, um, you know, wet. Basically, what I did was. Um, it was called, it was called the morning shoot around. So I would copy and paste links from the Detroit free press, the Los Angeles times, you know, like whatever. Buster only does for ESPN. Yeah. Basically just a amalgamation. Of, yeah. Just put all the pertinent stuff in one, one, you know, one readable column. Um, did that. I would wake up, you know, a couple hours before work, um, spend time doing that three days a week. Eventually from doing that, I got an opportunity to write a little bit wrote about fantasy hoops you know in the beginning what, um, what year is this what's the time frame uh, this, was t- this is my 11th year covering the nba wow uh t- yeah so t- 10 seasons ago um so yes yeah, it was you know 2006 2007 right around there and um 2005 2006 yeah right right in that t- that time frame um and um yeah so eventually Long story short, um, long story long, rather, I got an opportunity to kind of write a little bit more about the Knicks and um, kind of spread my legs. Um, so, yeah, it was I never took any journalism classes in school. 
um, you know, all my experience and learning was kind of on the job, um, figuring out, you know, not speaking first person and passive voice and, you know, all that other stuff. I, you know, luckily, um, I had a liberal arts degree, so it was a sociology, you know, concentration, sociology and, and literature. Um, so I had a familiarity or at least, a, you know, somewhat of a background and, um, you know, writing and, you know, putting your thoughts, you know, the way to express yourself, articulate, you know, what, what you were thinking. Um, but a lot of it just came from, um, you know, that experience of learning how to write by making, by being a bad writer. Sure. Well, or, but I, your style clearly belies that you've read Sports Illustrated and the Newsday and the Times sports section since you were eight years old. No question. Yeah. I mean, that's, it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, other kids read Moby Dick or comic books. I read Sports Illustrated. I read Sean Powell and Newsday and Lupica and the Daily News and, you know, Sports Illustrated. And, and I think, you know, around that time, Sports Guy was, you know, kind of really becoming big um, on ESPN. Uh, Holy Cross alum. Yes. A fellow Holy Crosser. So, some great writers out of Holy Cross. Right? Yeah, John Favreau, the, the yes, speech writer. Yeah, yeah, Obama. yeah, yeah. He was actually in the sociology classes of mine when I was, <laughs> when I was at Holy Cross. So, um and uh, yeah, so it was just it was like you said, yeah, it was it was you know, the the experience of of I, I guess I'd been in a way I had never prepared to become a, a sports writer, but in a way I'd been preparing my whole life. Sure. And you've been you've been doing it like you said for the, the last ten years. You, you you're a credentialed NBA writer. You, you're in the locker room, or at least or at least you lie that you're in the <laughs> locker room in, in your in your filings. Um, yeah, that's that's been one of the cooler cooler experiences, and certainly um, for the Knicks and the Nets. Yeah, um, I'm, I have a season credential for the Knicks. I've had it for the past seven. This will be my seventh season. Was it tough to get out of out of Hoops World and then Basketball Insiders? Or? It wasn't as difficult as uh, as you probably would think it would be. Um, I Luckily, I piggybacked on Hoops World. I had a you know relatively solid reputation um, even back then. And the NBA has been really cool with um, embracing online journalism um, as opposed to some other sports where it's kind of if you don't write for the Daily News or the Newsday or the Boston Globe, you know you're not counted. You know, um, and there's still some of that you know that that double standard, some of that um, you know kind of snobbery still exists. Um, but uh, as we've seen, as newspapers have declined in popularity, you know websites have obviously increased. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was, you know, every day that you get your season credential at media day every year. And, um, every year when I get it, um, you know, I look at it and I think that's, that's pretty cool from a kid that, that grew up in Long Island, you know, obsessed and loving the Knicks. Um, now is a chance to cover the Knicks, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Pretty cool. How long does it take you to get over any awe and, and maybe not even with the Knicks, you've been around them, but when LeBron James or Steph Curry walks in, how how do you shut off being a fan and, and focus on getting the job done? It happens quicker than you think, um, and that's kind of one of the negatives. I yeah, if you want to call it a negative, I'm not really. I don't even know if I'd consider myself a Knicks fan anymore, you know. And um, because once you peek behind the curtain, it changes the perspective. It's difficult to root for guys, um, root for players in the same way because you see that you, as a, especially as a kid. Um, care a lot more about wins and losses than a lot of players do you know um, a lot of players quickly brush off you know any type of defeat and you know getting ready to go out and you know we're talking about you know, it, it doesn't linger with them um so it's yeah it's it's um it, i guess it's just one of those things where you just you be you familiarize yourself with it um and um you know if you had 
the most amazing chef prepare you a steak every night for dinner. Action Bronson's dad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you had Action Bronson cook you, you know, roasted lamb and fennel and the most, you know, you know Mario Batali made the side dishes and, you know, Bobby Flay barbecued, you know, and every night you came home to that. Um, for the first night, you would, you'd, you'd be overwhelmed. Your senses, you couldn't take it. You'd be so excited. You probably wouldn't even finish your meal because you'd, the second night, you know, a little bit less, two weeks, two months down the road. Yeah, this is cool. What's up, guys? Maybe we change it up tonight. You know, like I think there's something to, um, uh, as you know, you just eventually, you, you know, like that kind of awe um, certainly does wear off, you know, probably sooner rather than later. I um, couldn't sleep for like three hours after Conor McGregor got tapped <laughs> the other night. <laughs> and I'm a 36 year old man, but uh, um, <clears throat> who who are some of your favorite interviews from around the league? May- maybe on the Knicks first, and then uh, the folks that you've enjoyed talking to the most from outside of the metropolitan area. Sure, um, you know, and as far as the Knicks go, it's it's been difficult, um, and and my experience is probably different than a lot of other folks that have covered other teams. It's certainly I talk to guys around the league. Um, when they come through New York or, you know, other guys that work for Vespa Insiders, you know, we'll have conference calls and things like that. Um, the Knicks make it very difficult for you to conduct interviews, you know, have time alone with players, whereas other you know, teams even encourage that, let alone facilitate that. The Knicks are very, um, they, they, they do their best to um, create an arm's length distance between um, players and the media. Um so, uh, but that said, there's still certain players. Um, J- Jamal Crawford has probably oh. been the um, the best in terms of. Um, Did you ever play against him? Didn't he go to prep school in Connecticut? Or? No, he's a West Coast. He was a he's a Seattle guy. Um, so, but um, Isaiah Thomas says that Jam- I I think I might be mixing up names, but that Jamal went to school on the East Coast, and then I- Isaiah went in the mid two thousands. Um, Jamal went to Michigan. Michigan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he played in Michigan, but they did. He went to the same high school as either Isaiah Thomas or Nate Robinson. But all those guys are from Washington. Yeah, yeah. Seattle. Yeah. Like, there's like that's a hotbed. Uh, a lot of great players. Zach Levine. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a there's a there's a real there's a fraternity of those guys. You, you know, you talk to them about it. Um, but, um, yeah, Crawford was just, you know, the kindest, you know, really, you know, he treated me as with the same sincerity and looked me in the eyes and gave me the same time as he would Howard Beck, who's writing for the times or Isola, who's writing for the daily news, um, you know, or, you know, guys, you know, for, you know, that would come, you know, only at one, you know, he just was, was a real genuine guy, the kind of guy you would want your, your son to, to treat people the way, you know, he treated other people. So, um, David Lee was a really good interview. Always took time, and he's a Shamanad grad. Shamanad, Shamanad right, right. Um, I talked to him about that actually. <laughs> um, our shared Shamanad roots, um, but uh, he was Marianist really values <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, he was he was a he was a good dude. Um, to be honest, most of the guy Malik Rose was a good interview back then. Um, Nate Robinson was funny. You know, he wasn't. I don't know if I'd call him the best interview, but certainly entertaining and interesting. Um, and um, Marbury was one of a kind. Um, <laughs> What's he up to now? Is he still in China? He is. He is. He's actually like re- rehabilitated his image, and they built a statue to him. And they did a play, success. didn't they? Yes, <laughs> a musical. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it's been amazing with the, the turnaround he's had. Um, he would, you know, man, he was he was a character. Um, but um, yeah, so it was it was definitely um, more more you know, the people were were kinder and nicer. Um, then you think once Isaiah came, that's when really the, the media, you know, changed. It's, you know, that that's when the dynamic changed where 
the media was seen as the enemies, you know, as opposed to a, you know, a, a kind of a cooperative effort here. Let's, you know, we, we, we both have a job to do. Let's respect each other and we can both promote each other and make, make our lives better and or easier. But once, once, um, the Isaiah stuff and Dolan kind of cracked the whip and, um, you know, that's when things kind of took a turn to that down south. Have you ever sat with Phil Jackson or had a chance to talk with him or they keep him at arms like too? He's, he talks so incredibly. I've never personally talked with him one-on-one. -on -one. I've been in press conference yeah. with him. Um, I think he's talked to the media total, you know, total twice oh, wow. this entire season. So, um, yeah, it's certainly something that annoys, um, Nick's, Nick's writers, um, you know, that, that, that their livelihood depends on, you know, getting good quotes and um, certainly compared to other, you know, coaches and general managers around the league, um, the Knicks do the bare minimum. What's the press corps like? Are, are you friends or, or is there like a, a rivalry? How does that work? It's all it's all friendly. I mean, I saw and, and Mark Berman joke around about, you know, there was more of a rivalry. I think it's it's now at the, at the, at the stage of, it, of, of the game where um, the one thing that the, 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 the Madison Square Garden you know, having kind of created an us against them approach with the Knicks against us against the media, the media was them. So all the thems kind of felt in the, in the group together, you know, kind of built a, a camaraderie. So, um, I don't travel with the team. Um, but, um, you know, uh, the guys that do travel with the team have a, have a good relationship. You know, Ian Begley's a great guy, works for ESPN and, um, you know, he gets along with Berman and, um, you know, I saw, you know, they all, they, you know, they, 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 each of, each of those guys, um, you know, I've certainly never had anything but, um, you know, positive experience for the most part with most of those guys. And did, did you ever learn anything other than reading from them or observing them? Are there any lessons that you take away? Definitely. Like I said, I never took a journalism course. So um, the learning thing was major for me. Um, and to their credit, two guys that helped me out a ton um, were Howard Beck. Um, he covered the, he, was, he was covering the Knicks for the New York Times at the time. And Alan Hahn he was working for Newsday. Um, and to the to to this day, those guys, um, you know, if you know, um, uh, I was talking to um, Howard not too long. Ago. I see him, you know, at the garden and stuff. Alan works at MSG, and um, and Howard works for BleachReport.com, um, uh, which is interesting in and of itself. You know, we talked about the you know divergence from newspaper. You know, Howard left the New York Times for uh, at dot com, um, which you, if you would have told me the day I started ten years ago that, that was a possibility, um, would have been crazy. But um, yeah, so just the the way to handle yourself, um, the way to, there's certain things you got to figure out. Um, you know, if, if somebody's in, in a one-on-one -on -one in a locker room talking to a player, give that guy his time until he steps away. You know, don't step in on his, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. There's, you know, which players talk, don't talk before the game. Kevin Garnett, my first game, I'm nervous as heck. This was in, the, this was in Jersey. I was covering the Nets game at the, um, um, when the Nets were playing in Jersey. Um, and uh, I asked Garnett a question. He looked at me like I had two years before game. He said, don't you... No, I don't. I don't speak pregame. Fuck you, talking. You know, so it was that that kind of thing. Um, learned my lesson there. How did he do that night? <laughs> I, I forget. I don't. I had to go change my pants. I might have missed the first quarter. Um, but um, and uh, Darren Williams, I called him Duran. Um, you know, my it was one of one, the, 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 when he was with the Jazz his rookie year. Um, me and my buddy Wendell Maxey went to interview him. I, you know, and he said, "You think I'm going to ask? You, I'm going to I'm going to speak to you when you don't even know my first name." So wow. It was things like that that you learn. How did your last college game go, Duran? <laughs> 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 um so uh but uh yeah how's luther head doing <laughs> i should ask you that. i should have had a fighting line i t-shirt on underneath my um 
but uh yeah there's there's you know there's there's certainly learned experiences um and um you know just just respect it within the um within the within the lock even within the press room you know mark berman has aol he has aol mail so every time he opens the computer says you've got mail still to this day and people you know so you just you just learn about um how to handle your business and going about your business a lot of it was on the job i remember when we were in high school we used to eat lunch together and what was it 95 96 the the bulls team the, which, who had the best record of 95 96 72 and 10 yeah. and you were able to rattle off everyone that had beaten the bulls that season and you just you like couldn't believe that you were in a position to actually know the 10 losses that they had an entire year like that blew your mind and i always think of that when i look at the the record with the Golden State now. Jeff Van Gundy's first win as a Knicks coach was on a Sunday afternoon against, it was their Bulls, I think it was the Bulls' ninth loss that season, but they'd only lost X number of games at that point. Um, and the uh, the, Bull, the Knicks smoked them by like 30 at the Garden on a Sunday afternoon. That was Van Gundy's first win as a Knicks coach. I, I Actually, I think I saw, it was the same like the same point in the season exactly. as the Lakers lost to Golden State. The same day. Yeah, yeah. I literally might have been the same day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it, it was a blowout and everything yep. like that. Yeah. Um, so the the uh, you have a great story, and I, I wanted to hit on that. But one of the things that I really wanted to dig my teeth into you into with you is the Kristaps Porzingis piece that you posted a couple weeks ago. You really went in depth. You I, and and I I told you you know I I, I could see myself being a fourteen year old boy opening up a Sports Illustrated magazine and reading this article. It it just you spoke to a, a number of people that had ties to Latvia uh, that, that followed Porzingis. And, and it just really shows how basketball is flattening borders and bringing people together. And I, I wanted to dig in a little bit on, on that piece that you wrote. Uh, and I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, because everybody should take the time to read. Anybody that's listening to this podcast should definitely take the time to read uh, an uh, article like this. I, I, we'll we'll go into to detail here, but what maybe walk me through the mechanics of how how you wrote this article? Tell me a little bit about it and and how it how it played out. Sure, um, it's an interesting story. And first of all, thank you, appreciate the compliment very much. Um, it kind of um, I fell in kind of fell into my lap in a way. Um, it was a couple weeks. It was in January, middle of January, like a week before my birthday, and um, somebody. Um, had emailed uh, somebody had tweeted me and asked me is Porzingis playing tonight he had like a shoulder injury or something he's questionable and I said we should know about 5 30 and he and he writes back lol you know smiley face or something um that's 22 30 my time I go, what do you mean you know I was <laughs> okay marine <laughs> exactly, exactly. At ease. <laughs> exactly. I said all right well you do a couple push-ups and you know let the, the barracks will be open um and uh he you know so then he explained you know I'm from I'm actually from Latvia and we stay up to to watch a game me and my dad are going to stay up to watch the game and I say wait what you know, so you know, I and I, so we we had a back and forth, and I I almost honestly I didn't even believe him. He tweeted me a picture of his cell. He, you know, took a screen a proof, print. Of, proof of life. <laughs> Hold the newspaper um, of of his cell of the of the alarm on his cell phone. You know, for twenty two hundred hours, and um, and uh, I was like, wow, you know, this, this kid's for real. Um, and um, so we, we had a couple tweets back and forth, and then he sent me a direct message that night. 
of him and his dad watching the game and like having a thing of popcorn, a cup of coffee or something. And I go, holy cow, it's amazing. You know, because as a, you know, we mentioned, I, I haven't been a Knicks fan in a long time, but Porzingis is, he, he looped me back in. And I got my daughter a Porzingis jersey. Um, you know, it's the first thing, one of the first things I bought her. Um, they, they make Porzingis jerseys they, for nine month olds. They, yeah. Honestly, they didn't. I had to get it like on the one of those bootleg sites, you know, like that. <laughs> And it didn't even say, it wasn't even Nixers, it just said Porzingis, the exclamation point in a, on a pink onesie. Um, now they do sell Porzingis jerseys at six, six months uh, wow. and nine months at, at the Garden, but they didn't at the time. This was, that's, you know, this was the first couple months in the league. Um, anyway, so um, as, as somebody who, who, you know, thought that, that Porzingis, you know, is, would be able to bring the Knicks back, yada, yada, yada. Um, Long story short, we had, a, you know, we, we were having a couple conversations. Um, then he sent me some direct, you know, direct messages and we we're going back and forth. And I said, do do any of your friends also stay up to watch? I mean, how many, you know, um, and that kind of sparked the idea in my mind. He goes, yeah, my buddy Tim, whatever he's, his name was, uh, my buddy Gustav, um, you know, goes to school with me. And, um, you know, we, we, we talk about it. Sometimes we miss school because of it. Um, and it just something clicked. And I said, you know what? It's a really. I think it'd be interesting to see if there, what kind of culture there is. Um, um, you know, and it, you know what the other thing that started was. I tweeted, I retweeted what he sent me, the picture of his cell phone. I said, "Look at my, look at this guy." You know, you guys think, you know, you guys are dedicated Nick fans. Check this out. And I must have got thirty replies. I'm in Spain. I do the same thing. I go to school in London. We we, we go we, instead of studying, we go to the bar. You know, NBA League Pass, and there's a lot of streaming sites that um, these kids watch. These you know, and adults. God, you're making Adam Silver so happy right now. <laughs> um, but I'm telling you, it is the truth because um, I got so many replies, responses. Um, you know, he's not the only one. Um, you know, in Albania and Algeria. Um, you know, and I'm, and I don't have a large Twitter, fo- you know, I have, you know, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, Adam Schefter with a million followers Kim or, Kardashian. or Kim Kardashian or Kanye, Kanye. Or, or, or Bill Simmons, you know, um, but there's such a dedicated, you know, uh, there's, there's a, there's a pool of, of dedicated fans of like-minded fans. Um, so the idea so that's when it really sparked my imagination and said, I want to find out what it's like to be a Chris Stapps Porzingis fan in Latvia. Um, and that kind of got the ball rolling. And for I'm envisioning my mom listening to this right now. Uh, who is Kristaps Porzingis? How did how did you find out about him, and and why is he so important in your life? Sure. Um, so the Knicks haven't had a draft pick in the top five since 1986. Kenny Walker out of Kentucky. Um, obviously, they had Patrick Ewing in '85 was a great player, and he kind of changed the franchise around them. They won the lottery, and there's did that Knicks have it fixed? Was their frozen envelope? Yada yada. yada. '86 was a horrible draft, though, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like they passed on anybody. I'm sorry, Brad Dart. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, long story short, um, the Knicks haven't had a, a quality, haven't had a, haven't had a. Over the past few years, they've traded away the draft picks. For the last 15 years or so, the Knicks have been terrible. Took Frederick Weiss instead uh, of Ron Artest. Absolutely, 15 over 16. Remember um, that? <laughs> yeah, I remember that all too well. As a St. John's fan, um, that was devastating. I was hoping they would take Ron Artest, and even I wanted to take Lavar Postel the year after. Um, uh, so when the Knicks finally had an opportunity to to get a franchise-changing talent in the 2015 NBA draft, this was something that um, somebody covering the team, I was, you know, you're really hoping that nobody wants to read about a losing team year after year after year. It gets old. Yes, it's funny um, and it's entertaining, um, but you know, uh, at the at the at the Garden, the, the gym is quiet. It's dead. 
Um, and there were games last year when the Knicks won 17 games that worst in franchise history. Media Row, there was literally guys playing solitaire on their computer during games, you know, playing, you know, um, nobody's paying attention. Um, so you hope that there's somebody that can reinvigorate the franchise. And this 2015 draft was supposed to be a really, really great draft. In particular, there were three superstar, potential superstar players, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Jaleel Okafor. So as long as the Knicks got one of those top three picks, they should be good. Up until the last week of the season, they had the worst record in the NBA, which guaranteed them a top three pick at worst. And at best, they had the best chance of getting the number one pick. They they ended up winning the final two road games of the season and uh, and the lottery dropped all the way to four. Knicks fans go crazy, sad, angry, the same old Knicks again. They're going to miss out on those top three players. Who are they going to take it for? Should they take a Justice Winslow or a, you know, Kaminsky or you know should they trade down or trade for a player? Uh, Phil Jackson, um, uh, to his credit, ends up selecting Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Garden, you know, it, 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 the draft was in uh, Brooklyn, actually. Plays booze. Nick fans go crazy. Um, who is this guy? The one nerdy him. kid was crying. The uh, nerd kid was crying. <laughs> were you, were, where were you? Were you watching at home? Or I, was, uh, I was watching it at home, yeah. yes. I did not go to Brooklyn. Um, and because um, I had to write, I was, I was, you know, I had to write an immediate reaction for it. Um, and uh, I was, I, that's who I wanted the Knicks to pick, given the, the dearth of. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted the Knicks to pick Brazilian. Partly because I thought he'd be good. I didn't know. I certainly didn't know he'd be this good. Um, but partly because I'd seen the, the YouTube highlights and the clips, and um, he was working out in Las Vegas um, and um, uh, at the um, uh, Impact Gym. There's a gym outside the Strip in Las Vegas um, where you know a lot of NBA players practice and prepare. Um, and um, guys that had been there and played against them said, this kid's the truth. He's going to be really good. Um, so, and and if and for no, and if probably just as importantly, it made a great story. I mean, could this kid overcome the stereotypes? You know, thin European, soft, skinny, white kid. Could he? Could he? You know, could he deliver the goods? Um, it'd be interesting if he could, and you know, prove the doubters wrong would make it that much more special. Um, just from a human interest sports journalism side, you know, as, as journalists, we root for the story. You know, you root for Peyton Manning to win that last game because it's the better story. Um, but uh, um, so, yeah, so so when Porzingis got drafted um, and just seeing him and the initial, you know, you know, um, uh, the initial summer league experience, um, you know, watching him play, it seemed really good. Um, had a chance to interview him and talk to him um, during the press um, availability, um, you know, leading up to his rookie season. Um, there was just there, there was there was some special there. Um, it was it was impossible to ignore, um, and to see him play that, and 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 um, you know, he played really really well right off the bat. Um, uh, you know, exceeded all expectations, even the highest expectations. Um, so you could tell it was it was it was something special was going on. We were witnessing possibly the the rebirth of of, of the Knicks franchise because the Knicks aren't going to be great with the current you know current cast of characters they have. Um, if the Knicks are ever going to be really good again and not just an eighth seed or you know in the middle of the playoffs, um, it's going to be because Porzingis becomes something really special. Um, so that that the, the, the having a player reinvigorate the franchise in a city because New York City loves hoops. So having a having a player that they could get behind was was something that was exciting. And he's we'll get to Latvia and Europe in a second. His popularity over there, but why do you think he became so popular here? Was was it because the expectations were so low and he exceeded them? Is it because he he totally flipped the script on all the things you were talking about? 
I think it's all, I think, yeah, I, I definitely think that, that setting the bar low is important. Um, but even if it was high, he played really well. Um, it the was, way he carries himself? It, to me, I think it's the, it, the way he carries himself both on and off the court. I mean, on the court, he plays with a swagger and he plays with a confidence that's kind of jarring, almost alarming. You don't expect that, you know, a 20-year-old kid to be able to, to, to be, have that confidence in himself. But at the same time, off the court, it's humble. There's a humble attitude he takes. He's, you know, he doesn't put on airs. He doesn't, uh, um, he understands he's lucky. He understands he's in a privileged position. Um, uh, I'll give you, for instance, during his first shoot around at the garden before his first game, he's putting up shots, um, you know, knocking down threes and he's a seven, three guy and he dunks and there's a lot of excitement to his game, but he's shooting around, finishes shooting around and he shakes the trainer's hands and then he goes to each ball boy and shakes their hand and says, thank you for rebounding for me. You know, like, and listen, will he do that two years from now, let alone two months from now? Probably not. You know, because you just, you get hardened and you get, you got to get back and, you know, you got to get prepared and stretch and, you know, look at game film and get opponents. But there's a, uh, you know, and, and a lot of, I think, you know, a lot of credit goes to his family. Um, he's raised really well. He had two older brothers that sure. played in Latvia. They're um, tall too. They're tall, 6'5". <laughs> yeah. You know, not as tall as Chris Stapps. Yeah. He's by far and away um, the... Uh, the, the, the tallest in his family, you know, like Michael Jordan's brothers were five ten, and, and Jordan six. <laughs> He's six. in the Air Force. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah. So I think that it's that combination of um, talent, skill, um, excitement, the, the way he plays, the way he dunks, the way he shoots, and um, the way he carries himself. You know, I think he, he and the fact that he wanted to come to New York. I think that you know that 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 struck a chord with New Yorkers. Did you talk to him for the story? I did not. Yeah. Was that a conscious choice? It was. Why? Uh, because I, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about my opinion. It wasn't about New Yorkers. It wasn't about Knicks fans that had that had been through the disappointment of Ewing and you know and and, and been, had their heart broken by Jordan. It wasn't about um, uh, you know people in Queens or Long Island or or New Jersey um, that had watched the Knicks all their life and wanted to you know were, were hoping that this was strictly about the through the eyes of someone who who who'd never watched the some of the a lot of the people I talked to had never watched the Knicks game before. Now they set their alarm at 3.30 a.m. and watch, and, have, and had watched 50 straight Knicks games, you know? So, um, and um, yeah, I talked to, I mean, I I talked to Chris Stepps about the story I was writing because I talked to some players that he had followed as a kid. I got in touch with, with some of those other players and I talked to Chris Stepps' brother, um, Giannis, um, who was kind of his, uh, one of his agents. He works for AS, ASM, um, Andy Miller's agency. Um, and just kind of told him what I was doing. So, um, but I, I, I went back and forth whether I wanted to include his perspective and his family's perspective and Nick fans in New York's perspective. But at the end of the day, I ended up fortunately having so much great material that I had to cut out a ton of it. So, um, it kind of made my decision for me. I had so much good stuff otherwise that I, I didn't feel I needed his opinion. When you talk to him, he speaks flawless English, right? Yes. Uh, how, how's he acclimating to living in the capital of the world? It's amazing. It's literally um, as good as he, as impressive as he is, as as his numbers are and his performance on the court. I think the way he's handled himself under this media spotlight, as a he's drafted when he's nineteen, turned twenty, as a twenty-year-old kid, um, uh, is mind-boggling. I can't. I mean, I, I couldn't. I could barely handle myself at college. You know, uh, you know, two hundred miles north of of my parents' house. Um, this is kid on the other side of the world. Um, you said he wanted to come to New York. That's what he wanted. Why? Um, 
he felt that that was the best position for him. Um, his brother and his, you know, he basically had been preparing himself for this the whole time. Um, he could have been drafted the year before and he was guaranteed that the Orlando Magic, or the fifth pick in this draft, had a, I think it was the 12th pick or the 10th pick in the 2014 draft. And they promised them, listen, you come out, we're taking you. You won't fall, you know, they, they got, you got a guarantee. That's basically what you want. Um, but he said, no, nah, I'm not ready yet. I want to come in when I'm ready. I didn't really want Orlando. Um, he didn't work out for other teams in the lottery. He, he, you know, the Knicks were, were, were where he wanted to go. Um, and he actually hurt his thigh in the, in the, in the one, um, one-on-one workout he had with Phil Jackson and, the, and Steve Mills in the Knicks front office. And he thought that might cost him his opportunity, so he was heartbroken. Um, but, um, yeah, he, he wanted New York, and, and um, fortunately New York wanted him. What did you learn? Has Kristaps has Porzingis helped the United States in any way? Has it, has it enhanced our... Uh, the perception of our country overseas? Um, I would say, you know, the first impression wasn't a favorable one because these kids, you know, these guys, the Latvians were up at, um, you know, the draft would have been around 7.32, so it was, you know, 2.30 in the morning and they stayed up because obviously they wanted to see where he was going. And the first thing is the <laughs> guy gets booed mercilessly. And they would tell me, how could Nick fans do this? They don't never seen him play. Why would they boo a guy? And But to their credit, you know, they, you know, a lot of them, you know, said, you know wrote that, um, you know, I understand. Then I read about the history of the draft and Nick fans. It's kind of an annual tradition, no matter how good the player is. So, um, you know, that kind of made it easier. But, um, yeah, you know, I think Nick fans, Latvians have more of an affinity for New Yorkers now. They kind of feel like they're on the same team at least. And how how great is it that they, through the power of social media, they're contacting you? To ask about injury reports on the Knicks roster. To me, it's a fascinating. I think it speaks to not only the global impact of the game, but um, the ways in which the game finds people like-minded fans. I mean, um, uh, you know, yeah, they, they, there's, I mean, some, I talked to a lot of Latvians and some, and a lot, um, would stay up and watch the game at 3.30. But, you know, some had families and jobs that, you know, a lot of them couldn't do it. On the weekends they would, but during the week they couldn't. But as soon as they woke up, they'd pick up their phone and all their friends would post Facebook highlights of, you know, the dunks, the highlights, the game recap, his box score. Um, it'd be on Vine and Twitter. Um, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't miss a beat. Um, it was, it's, it's amazing um, that the coverage, um, especially uh, uh, you know, once the uh, you know once, once there is a vested interest, um, as there was with the Knicks and and in Porzingis, it became incredibly easy for them to you know look, you know get information. Are they basketball fans or are they Kristaps Porzingis fans? Most of them were basketball fans before. Um, you know, so so Kristaps uh, kind of went on their national radar. Laffy Laffy is a country of about one point nine million. Um, uh, on the you know in the in northeastern Europe. Um, like Nassau County. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it literally is, you know, Queens is, um, you know, f- uh, 3.9 million and, you know, Brooklyn. So yeah, it's, it's literally the size of a, of, of a New York city borough. Um, and, um, they've had a, they've had some success in other sports. Um, they had a hockey, hockey, um, bobsled. There's, there's, there's a big bobsled oh, community. Yeah, yeah. You don't screw with that <laughs> yeah. being bobsled. No, no. Um, <laughs> Steve so Hulk doesn't sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so when there was a whenever there was a you know an opportunity to support any of the athletes they 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 were right behind them you know they people and right away people send me youtube videos of of the um uh, they had a they had a volleyball team that placed that won a bronze um in the Rio Olympic you know in um the last olympics London. before the London Olympics and they came back and it was crazy outside right from the sure. airport um so yeah i mean it was just literally um 
they're huge sports fans, you know, especially for somebody that represents them, that represents their country. Um, but some of them um, were, a lot of them were uh, basketball fans. A lot of them stated um, they'd seen Jordan play. You know, they'd, they'd stay up to watch Jordan games. And Andres Beatrich, who's a who's a, um, a center for the for the Warriors um, in 2007, 2008, um, uh, uh, was, was also of Latin descent. Um, so they had, um, they don't like him now because they felt he wasted his opportunity and wasted his talent. Um, but uh, they do feel um, um, that was their kind of their original indoctrination into the NBA. But after he left, they stopped following because it really takes a commitment. Um, but uh, a lot of the guys, pretty much all the, most of the, uh, of the people that I spoke to that were crazy Porzingis fans, you know, that getting up two thirty, you know, three nights a week um, were already basketball fans. And then, um, you know, were happy to, follow the um the journey there was a couple i spoke to um this one guy was a pastor and he wasn't a huge basketball fan he's a sports fan but not a huge basketball fan but he got swept up in the porzingis thing and um you know he'd, he'd, he'd stay up and, and watch you know there's a rich history i mean james naismith was was a pastor and there's a rich history of missionaries bringing the game to the far reaches of the planet so it's interesting to hear that but and and basketball is soccer is king uh but i i think that basketball feels like they're on the precipice of overtaking them and from our american point of view there are 300 million of us but there are seven and a half billion people on the planet and i think the smart leagues are looking outside the borders and the nfl is going to have a day of reckoning here eventually i i imagine but basketball is really well positioned to 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 overtake soccer i don't think that's unrealistic and and it does very well reach in every corner of the planet yeah yeah i think um you know certainly from 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 the american perspective of the four major sports here um and america hockey's big in, in certain european countries obviously as well but in terms of their global reach um the, the the NBA is so far ahead, um, and I think a lot of that's credit to Adam Silver and his team um, at the NBA because um, they've embraced social media, which is a key You're, component. You were hitting a lot of the inter- internal talking points just about hearing you talk about vines and, and checking on social media in the morning, the scores. The league is very, very pleased to hear that, and watching the game on your tablet or, or phone is becoming crucial to, to the game's growth overseas. Definitely, without question, that's you know that's something that um, uh, uh, allowed them. You know, there was in years past. You know, Kobe Bryant famously would have to wait for VHS tapes from his uncle um, to watch the Lakers and, and the Celtics great you know great matchups. Um, today, that Kobe, that 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 you know that that basketball obsessed you know twelve year old kid doesn't have to wait for UPS shipments of VHS tapes. He can watch it from a smartphone in his bedroom. You know, yep. so um, that completely changed the dynamic and the NBA being so willing to embrace not only um, allow it but promote it and and and, and incorporate it um, into their platform. Um, I think speaks well um, to, to their initiatives and um, I think it's going to you know really uh, you know we've already seen the influx of European talent in in, in recent years and I think that's only going to increase. As as, uh, as we go forward and it's going to move east and and south uh although it already ha- you see how popular the game is in south america in africa it, baseball prides itself on the number of international players and, and it does a great job and historically it, it does but it's korea and japan taipei the dr and and a couple sprinkled here and there basketball's everywhere 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 and you don't need the equipment it's a couple hoops and i, I mean you know even if you have a trash can you you want to throw your cr- uh, crumpled up piece of paper in it 100% it, it's like human nature yeah uh 
but um yeah i mean it's just it's it's every team now is is, is more of a united nations and um and I, and i think what's interesting about Porzingis was the way he embraced american culture because he was kind of he was so familiar with it prior to coming to the united states he had cornrows he had cornrows <laughs> when he was 12 years old cuz Allen iverson and mellow and those guys you know i think um you know that that kind of says you know that that you know he's just you know rappers and and you know hip hop culture and um you know he's just he's he's very comfortable um, you know, after games, he'll give interviews in three languages, you know, English, Spanish, and, and Latvian, you know, so, um, and he can speak fluently in all three of them. How's the Spanish? It's good. It's pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. Because he played where? Barcelona? Or? He played in Seville. Yeah. Seville. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, Miss Olivia are. Uh, <laughs> Oliva. 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 Senora. Senora. Oliva. She'd be very proud. <laughs> our Spanish teacher. From what I can tell, he's, he's pretty good. No, I'm not. The last time I took a Spanish class. But, um, but yeah, no, he's, he's amazing. And his grasp of language and his ability to um, comfortably navigate the, the media spotlight has been amazing. Uh so the, the, I think we did a good job. Was there anything that I, I missed that I, I should have asked about the the article? Or? Yeah, no, just I mean, just it was amazing to me um, to to just to, to learn about these people's experiences and how personally invested they were. The pride, the the really national pride. It was, um, you know, it was bursting through. You know, it wasn't it? it he he be moved from just you know as as kind of a stardom rose and he got recognition you know one rookie of the month you know for the Eastern Conference three months in a row. Um, it was more than just a basketball player, you know, and the future he holds so much promise for the future. He's only twenty years old. Um, so many Latvians talked about how he's a you know a, you know that's what the Latvian kids will look up to and because um, he's not just a great you know great player but he's a great person off the court. Um, so was he really has reached a, you know, almost deity status there. Um, well, and, and national pride can go a couple ways. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the the feeling I got from reading your article is more like here is our our crown jewel and we want to share it with with you know the the world the, the leader of the free world in in the US and 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 on the highest platform possible 100% is a good point and I talked to um Giannis Kristaps brother about it, a little bit about with Porzingis as well um and also the the fans cuz I I'm, I almost I was almost thinking to myself like well one of the questions I would ask them is what's going to happen when he goes home you know is it going to be a big celebration and and they were like yes definitely but when he's walking down the street, we don't bother him. We will we'll choose not to. There's, a, there's not that TMZ culture that we're familiar with, you know. Like, it, it, he, in other words, as popular as he is in Latvia, it'd be much easier for him to go get coffee than it would be to go to Starbucks on Fifth Avenue, because there's a different, um, you know, there's different reverence, there's different respect for individuals. You know, we don't have that 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 we seem to have lost our way somehow in, in America. You, were you covering the Knicks during Lynn Sanity? I was. I, w- did you see any parallels there? Yeah, um, I think insanity. It was kind of more of a sense that this probably wasn't going to last. So let's make the most of it and live it up as as much as we can. Um, whereas this, um, you know, it's more of just the beginning phases. I think that's what most excites Nick fans because there's a, there's a, it's kind of the the birth. You're at the, you know, you're watching that band, you know, before they do their first hit record, and everyone says, "I now, you know, uh, you know." Now. I was on Dave Matthews in '91. <laughs> correct, correct. Everyone wants to be that guy that they were, they they, you know, that they knew Nirvana before, you know, before it was cool to do so, you know, and then the posers start getting the t-shirts and stuff. Um, so I think for Nick fans, those first couple months of of Porzingis' rookie 
the year. Um, it was kind of a, a cult that that had formed that, you know, this is our guy and, you know, we, we were, we're ahead of the curve. You guys will all, everyone's going to come on the bandwagon, but we're here now. Isn't this exciting? With Jeremy Lin, did you see uh, a spike in followership from from Asia? A hundred percent. There was, the, I, I uh, had the good fortune to um, interview Walt Clyde Frazier um, uh, maybe a year ago, 16 months ago, was when he... Um, I would love to transcribe that. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. Um, he likes apple juice. Um, and um, we were... Um, and Because uh, he, he was at his restaurant, he was promoting his restaurant. So I got to sit down and talk to him for a while. Um, and um, I asked him a whole bunch of questions, how he didn't he didn't want to get drafted by the Knicks. He didn't think he would. A whole bunch of cool stuff. Um, and um, uh, one of the questions I asked him, what's the loudest the Garden's ever been? You know, LJ's four-point play. You know, you, you were yeah. either there... For games when Willis, Willis came Reed, out of the, yeah. of the tunnel, or you were ca- or calling the games, and you know, um, obviously you've been around the card in a long time. Linsanity. Wow. I said, no, no, no. You know, I know, I know. Recently, that, that you know, this is the loudest. No, but I'm talking about in all the years. You know, when when Willis worked out of the tunnel and everything, and um, you know, or when when uh, you know, you guys won the championship right after. No, no. Linsanity, without question, not un- undubitably, he said. Um, and I uh, probably rhymed some of the words I forget now at the time, but um, yeah, he 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 said with without a doubt it was it was Linsanity it was the loudest and most electric the Garden ever been in his in in, the, in his lifetime. And he'd been there more than any of us. Um, and uh, yes, just from a media perspective, I've never seen anything like Linsanity. I don't think we ever will. When the Knicks play in the playoffs, they haven't done too often. Um, instead of having the typical um, post game where you go and interview the guys at their locker after a game. They open up the the press room where the coach talks before the games, um, and they'll have Carmelo come out or Paul George if they're playing the Pacers, whatever the case might be. There were so many people following the Knicks at a regular season games. There was I've covered the Knicks for you know uh, more than a decade, more than a decade now, and I've been playoff games. There's never been more of a media contingent than there were for regular season meaningless games in February, in cold Februarys. Um, Asia, Japan, every all throughout Asia, um, South America, the the, the insanity thing was 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 really remarkable. So basketball has had just this fantastic track record of, of bringing people together of, of all stripes, backgrounds, nationalities. Yeah, and, and I you've think, had a front row seat. I've been blessed. I've been blessed, and I think um, you know we we mentioned Porzingis. It's 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 cool. Like he's a somehow the combination of all those cultures and mel- melting pots. You know, he played in a tough, um, you know, uh, uh, European uh, league. You know, Seville and Spain. And that's that's kind of a, you know the next step. A lot of people think it's the next best league other than the NBA. Um, he's kind of you know formed on the crucible of those fires, and to come to the NBA and to be able to get along with you know uh, Melo and, and and Aaron Aflalo and Calderon. Um, he's just kind of in the in the way that, uh, in an interesting way, he's kind of the evolution of the NBA. He's a seven three guy who can guard point guards, who can shoot threes, who also you know near the league lead blocks. Um, well, and know, just as important, Tom, is that he can speak three languages. Bingo. So the, in the way he's the evolution of the game, both in terms of his physical abilities on the court and also his 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 the way he carries himself off the court and the way that he speaks three languages and is you know comes from latvia you know faraway country but still gets the same amount of respect um so yeah he's he's kind of the embodiment of 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 the of the next phase of of you know especially the international game for tom beer i'm morgan o'brien and thank you for listening to the diplo sport podcast please follow us on twitter and facebook at diplo sport and we'd love your feedback on itunes which will help get us noticed and help us continue to get great guests 